Well, good morning, Crossroads. I am glad that you are here today and ready to dive in to the third week of this series that we have called Circle Maker. And actually, it's based on a book called The Circle Maker, so that made naming the series really easy. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, but Mark Batterson wrote this book, and it is just a terrific challenge that takes you on a journey that just challenges each and every one of us to go all in on our prayer lives. And I'm excited to kick off 2021 just completely focused on doing everything that we can to increase the power and the meaningful nature of our prayer lives. Because I believe that there's a promise in Scripture, James 4.8, that we need to live into. And that says when we draw close to God, He will draw close to us. And I want to lean into that as a church family. And specifically, over the next 21 days, guys, spoiler alert, we're beginning our 21-day prayer challenge today. So on your way out, we're asking you just to fill out a commitment card. I'm in on the 21-day challenge. If you fill out that card, you can grab one of these free journals on the way out. Get excited because, I mean, hey, who doesn't like free stuff? How about that? Free stuff! Hey, yeah! I mean, there wasn't a lot of excitement. You can give $10 for that if you would like to. That'd be fine. Uh, but free stuff. The whole point is we want you to be keeping a journal of this 21-day prayer challenge because uh, I do believe the shortest pencil is better than the longest memory. When you write down the way that God is speaking to you, the answers to prayer that he gives you, it's amazing to look back at that journey that you have journaled and, and detailed and documented and realize that God has been faithful. And I believe that in our experience with God, when you can look back and realize God has been faithful in the past, it helps me look forward with hope and that he will fulfill his promises and I can trust him that he will be faithful in the future. And so I'm just encouraging every single one of us together as a church family to lean into this 21-day prayer challenge for the next three weeks because it's going to be an amazing journey. And I believe God is going to show up in a big way. So keeping that in mind, I want to challenge you with just a question out of the gate today. And that question is this, how big is our God? I just want you to think about that for a second. How big is our God? I think a lot of times we forget that he is the king of kings, that he is the Lord of lords, that there is no one like our God. And when you forget the magnitude of who God is, I think that does negatively impact your prayer life. I think that when I forget how big God is, I will tend to pray smaller, more timid prayers. When the reality is, there is no one like our God. And he has a purpose and he has a plan for you. You can claim the promises that he has given you in his word. And I want to challenge you today to dream big. To dream about what it is that God has in store for you. Pray that, that God's dreams and God's will for your life would become your will for your life. That you would live fully into this life that he has created for you to experience. Because there is no one like our God. There is nothing that he cannot do. And I want to do something different today to kick off because I, I want us to really grapple with that question. How big is our God? I think, um, you know, 50 years ago now, uh, mankind did an extraordinary thing. We took someone to the moon. We walked on the moon and did this extraordinary thing. The moon, you guys, is 225,000 miles away from planet Earth, all right? We sent someone to the moon. That's amazing. That or it was just an amazing fake video. We don't know. We don't know. But we sent someone to the moon. And you're thinking, man, that's extraordinary. But then we begin seeing these pictures, you know, of Earth from the moon. And then we see the Hubble telescope start to take off and get these enormous and magnificent pictures of the universe around us. 
and you begin to start realizing just how small we are in an enormous universe. I mean, we start thinking in terms of light speed to measure how far things are away because it's the fastest thing we know to how to comprehend. Light travels 186,000 miles per second. I mean, that is fast, right? I drive too fast sometimes, but not as fast as the speed of light, right? Maybe the speed of sound, but not the speed of light. Speed of light, if you travel the speed of light for six seconds, you've gone over a million miles, all right? Think, think about that. A million miles in six seconds, and it takes light Eight minutes and 20 seconds to get here from the sun. That's how far away, 93 million miles the sun is away from us. And then you think about all the stars in the sky. The nearest star to us is 4.3 light years away. All right, just consider the magnitude of how far that is. And then you stop and consider we're just part of one galaxy that we're starting to see through these telescopes and all these amazing satellite images of millions of galaxies in the universe. The universe itself has no beginning and no end. We try to picture God and think, well, how could God have no beginning and no end? Well, as hard as it is to wrap your mind around that, and as, as much as your brain will hurt trying to comprehend that, we actually live in a universe that is defined by the same thing. There's no beginning, there's no end, and it exists. We're, we're in it right now, floating on a little blue dot in the middle of this great expanse, right? And you think about how big just the Milky Way galaxy is, 100,000 light years from end to end. And then the realization, it's just one galaxy of millions. The closest galaxy to us, and I want you to just lean into this moment. How big is our God? The closest galaxy to us is called Andromeda. And it is 2.5 million light years away. Just the enormity of that fact changes everything. And it's actually so big you can still see it with, without any help of a telescope. You can see that with the naked eye. And yet that is a galaxy that is filled with a billion stars of its own. And when you start thinking about the enormity of the universe, the realization that God spoke this into existence, it helps you really get a bigger picture and clearer picture of just how big our God is. And I'd like you just to sit and soak and think about that. As we take a look at this picture, this is one of the largest pictures ever taken. If you were to show this picture of the Andromeda galaxy in its fullest, it is about 350 times larger than our LED wall up here. It is a massive picture. But it captures this galaxy, again, that is 2.5 million light years away. All of these, their own stars. All of these things that God spoke into existence. I just ask you to reflect on that for the next minute as we just take a look at this picture and think about how big is our God.
tell you, that brings light to the scripture in Psalms 19 where it says, The heavens declare the glory of the Lord. Day after day, they pour out his speech. Night after night, they reveal his knowledge. They don't say a word. And yet everyone is able to recognize the glory and the majesty of God. How big is our God? I just want you to consider that for a moment as we dive into this this session on our prayer lives and how we are able to dream big into this plan and purpose that he has for our lives because there is no one like our God. And I think oftentimes we, we put God in a box, right? We limit his power to our own imagination and we pray small and timid prayers. But you guys, we have to pray prayers that require God to show up. We talked about this last week. Bold prayers honor God and God honors bold prayers. This is what elevating our prayer lives look like. It, it means that when God gives me a promise, I can circle that promise and believe that he's going to be faithful. And sometimes it requires a little bit of foolishness uh, to live out that faith that God calls us to. And I want you to consider these examples. Think about Noah in the Old Testament. We all know him as building the ark and saving mankind. And yet for a hundred years, uh, Noah was out there in the middle of a desert building this enormous boat, and people were mocking him mercilessly. I mean, he was the joke of everyone in that region because who is this guy, this crazy guy, building an ark in the middle of the desert? And yet, when the flood came, Noah had been obedient. Noah saved mankind. And it's this incredible story of God's favor. Well, he had to walk by faith. He had to risk looking foolish. Think about David and Goliath. David, this young boy who goes out to challenge this mighty warrior, this giant of a man, almost 10 feet tall, David had to risk looking foolish. I mean, David had to put his life on the line. And yet, God had called him to that moment, and he was faithful. I think about these stories all throughout Scripture. Last week, we talked about the Israelites marching around Jericho. They would have looked so foolish. No one says a word. It's like a staring contest. And yet, that's what God has called them to. That's the plan that he had for them, and he was faithful. The people in the Bible we consider to be the wise men. They leave their homes, they leave their families to, to follow a star because they believe that the promised Messiah is waiting for them at the end of their journey. I mean, foolishness is often a requirement of our faith. And I, I want you to lean in to this idea and this concept today because we can't be afraid of foolishness. When I pray a bold prayer, I'm relying on God to show up. That means that when God makes a promise, I'm putting my trust in his promise. That means when I feel alone, I claim the promise in scripture. God will never leave me. He will never forsake me. That means when I'm feeling overwhelmed by all my fears and my worries and my stress, I can put my trust in the promise that I can cast all my, my burdens on him and he will lift me up. He cares for me. When I'm dealing with all of my brokenness, my hurts, my habits, my hangups, I can put my trust in God's promise for me that when I confess my sin, when I confess my failure, he is faithful, he is just, he forgives me. He cleanses me from all that unrighteousness. He gives me freedom, he gives me peace, he gives me joy. These are his promises for our lives. And these are the promises that we must lean into. And so as we talk about our prayer lives, I'm asking you today, circle God's promises for your life. Lift up the relationships that are broken. If your marriage is struggling, if you have a, a difficulty with, with family or your kids, lift up those relationships. There's someone in your life that doesn't know Jesus that desperately needs to connect with him. Pray for a miracle in that person's heart where they can connect with Jesus and experience the fullness of life that he has for us. There's a miracle that you need God to move in your life. Lift that up in prayer. 
you're trying to figure out what the next step is for you in life, I would ask that you pray for God's dreams to become your reality. That you would seek God's will and that would become your will. That you would live fully into that purpose and plan that he has for you. Because that, I believe with all my heart, is where life is lived to the fullest. I think it's time to lean into our prayer lives to draw close to Jesus. Because he will show up. He is the creator of the universe. He's the king of kings and he is the lord of lords. And we've lived that out here in our church, in our, in our history of crossroads. Man, we've got people in our, in our past and our history that have taken risks, that have stepped out in faith, and God has shown up on the scene. He has been faithful. And he will do it again. I love this story in Numbers chapter 11 because God right now in this passage of scripture is in the middle of fulfilling his 400-year-old promise to his people, the Israelites. He has already miraculously led them out of Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea, which he parted. The Red Sea then fell on the Egyptian army. They didn't have to have one battle. The Egyptian army was wiped out by a miracle of God. It says that for 40 years they, they wandered the wilderness because they weren't able to trust God's promise to get them into Jericho. And yet, even though they weren't able to fulfill or, or trust God's promise for their lives, God was still with them. He led them as a pillar of a cloud by day and as a pillar of fire by night. His presence was tangible. It was real. It was visible. He was with them. When they got hungry, it says that God provided manna, a bread that would appear on the ground every single morning that is described in Exodus as tasting like honey. I mean, this is real life. Wouldn't that be amazing? Like, hey, it's time for breakfast. I'm going to go outside and pick up some uh, honey muffins. That's amazing. Um, this was God's provision for his people. He is looking forward to fulfilling this promise for them. And yet in the middle of all of that, the Israelites fell into the trap that we fall into all the time. They started complaining. They started whining. They started focusing on all the things that they didn't have. They took their eyes off of who God is, that he was with them, that he was present, that he was providing for them, that he was protecting them. And they took their eyes off of his promise. And so they fell into that trap of complaining and whining. And listen to me, as much as you maybe as a parent just can't stand it when your kids whine incessantly and complain all the time, maybe it's just me, maybe I'm that parent, I just, maybe your kids are perfect. Mine are not. They whine all the time. It drives me crazy. I want you to know that if you've ever been in that place where you're like, oh, these kids won't be quiet, I want you to know that God feels the same way about you, all right? God feels the same way about you when you complain and when you whine. And I love how this story unpacks that. And to see how God responds in spite of that. Lean into this. This is a great story. God has been providing for them, right? Just That's the backstory. He's been providing for them. He's with them. He's given them manna. And here's the result. Numbers chapter 11. It says, Then the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. And the people of Israel also began to complain. Oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. We remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. And we had all the cucumbers and melons and leeks huh? and onions and garlic that we wanted. But now our appetites are gone. All we ever see is this manna. <laughs> it's amazing to me. They forgot that they had been slaves, all right? They forgot that their people had been murdered, that they had been tortured, that they had been so abused. All they could remember was, hey, we had free fish there. And there were leeks and garlic I mean, to be fair, I mean, I have food cravings sometimes. I would probably be the same way. I uh, sometimes have to try those uh, no-carb diets. Dana mocks me every time I go on because it lasts about five or six days. To that credit, I lose five or six pounds in those five or six days. But then I have to have the other stuff. I'm just the opposite. I don't want to eat the meat anymore. I need some carbs. You know what I'm saying? Some bread, some donuts, some Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Who's with me? Um, 
But these people, they were consumed <laughs> by what they didn't have. And in this case, it was food, which is ironic, right? It didn't really matter that their lives were miserable. Man, they wanted an Arby's. They have the meats, and, and we need an Arby's. That's what they're saying out there in the middle of the wilderness. And so here's what happens. There's a description here. It says, the manna looked like small coriander seeds, and it was pale yellow like gum resin. Sounds delicious. The people would go out and gather it from the ground. They made flour by grinding it with hand mills or pounding it in mortars. Then they boiled it in a pot and made it into flat cakes. These cakes tasted like pastries baked with olive oil. That sounds good. The manna came down on the camp with the dew during the night, completely free, a provision of God for them. All right, don't lose sight of that. Moses heard all the families standing in the doorways of their tents whining. And the Lord became extremely angry. Moses was also very aggravated. I love this interaction between Moses and God. Moses said to the Lord, Why are you treating me, your servant, so harshly? Have mercy on me. What did I do to deserve the burden of all these people? I mean, you can't get more real than this. All right? I love this. Did I give birth to them? Did I bring them into the world? Why did you tell me to carry them in my arms like a mother carries a nursing baby? He has literally called them whining babies. I mean, that's what's happening right now. How can I carry them to the land you swore to give their ancestors? Where am I supposed to get meat for all these people? And keep listening now. This is important. They keep whining me, saying, give us meat to eat. I can't carry all these people by myself. The load is far too heavy. If this is how you intend to treat me, just go ahead and kill me. Do me a favor and spare me this misery. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Has anyone ever been there like, God, why? More times I'd like to admit I feel that as as your pastor sometimes. Now, (laughs) I mean, Moses is just being real here. He's saying, God, this is difficult. I didn't sign up for this. I I thought you were just going to take us right and fulfill your promise. This was supposed to be easy. Everybody's whining. Everybody's complaining. They're looking to me. They're complaining to me. I can't do this. And that's the reality. I can't do this. I need Jesus. I need God to show up in a big way. And if, if we believe that our God is truly who he says he is, that he's the creator of the universe, that he is the king of kings, that he is the Lord of lords, that he loves you desperately, that you are his child, that he places his name on you, then I've got to be willing to lean in in those moments where I feel overwhelmed and just ask God to show up, to fulfill his promises for my life, to be willing to dream big as to what God might be up to, and to just be obedient, to live into who he's calling me to be. These are the moments I mean, Moses didn't do anything wrong by saying, God, I'm frustrated here. I have no idea. How am I supposed to do this on my own? Moses is saying, God, I need you. I need you to show up and be faithful and fulfill your promise here because this is getting difficult. This is too much. So here's what happens. And I love this. God makes a promise here, and he promises to supply them meat for a month. This is what they wanted, all right? But he has a little bit of attitude. You need to lean into this. This is fantastic. God spoke to Moses and said, say to the people, Purify yourselves. It's time to refocus. Stop complaining. Stop whining. Focus on who I am. I am with you. I will provide for you. Purify yourselves. Get your minds right. For tomorrow you will have meat to eat. You were whining 
and the Lord heard you when you cried. Oh, for some meat. We were better off in Egypt. God's probably going, really? I was there. I let you out of that place. Come on now. Now the Lord, this is fantastic. Now the Lord will give you meat and you will have to eat it. I mean, that sounds real, right? I mean, you remember that as a parent when your kid's in the high chair and they won't eat their vegetables and so you, you fake like you're giving them the dessert baby food and they go, ah, and then you sneak in the broccoli. You know how you was that just me? Am I that bad of a parent? I can't believe that. Okay. <laughs> the Lord says, I will give you meat and you will have to eat it. You will like it. And it won't be just for a day or two or for five or ten or even twenty. You will eat it for a whole month until you gag and are sick of it. <laughs> this is real. This is real life. For you have rejected the Lord who is here among you and you have whined to him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? They were so consumed with what they didn't have, so consumed with their complaining and their whining, they forgot about the provision of God in their lives. They forgot that he was right there. He was with them. They forgot their blessings. They forgot the promises of God that were right there in front of their, their eyes. But Moses responded to the Lord, there are 600,000 foot soldiers here with me, and yet you say, I will give them meat for a whole month? Even if we butchered all of our flocks and herds, would that satisfy them? Even if we caught all the fish in the sea, would that be enough? I mean, Moses right now is going, wait a second, how is this even, how are you going to do this? And that's the beauty of God. How big is your God? If you, if you believe that he's the king of kings, the Lord of lords, that he created this universe, that he spoke everything that we just saw into existence, then there's nothing that he cannot do. And I'm telling you guys, when God shows up on the scene and, and brings people together, changes lives, gives us hope and a future, he changes everything. And he's working at a level that we can't even comprehend. It's completely other. And when we lean into who he is, his promises for our life, we can begin to see him move and work and be part of his story. So when Moses says, how are you going to do this? I mean... It doesn't compute. And that's where sometimes we've just got to let go and we've got to say, God, I trust you with this. Because God's math and our math are not always the same. Jesus took five loaves of bread and two fish and he fed 5,000 people. That doesn't make sense. We live in a universe that has no beginning and no end. I can't wrap my mind around that and yet it's there. God operates at a whole different level. And that brings us to the question that is so important in this story that I really want you to just consider and think about. Because here's God's response to Moses. The Lord said to Moses, has my arm lost its power? Is there any limit to what I can do? Who are you talking to? Has my arm lost its power? Now you will see whether or not my word comes true. I want to ask you that question. When it comes to your relationship with God, the, the way that you pray, the expectation you have, your willingness to trust in his promises for you. Has God's arm lost his power? Is he still the king of kings and the lord of lords? Is there still no one like him? And don't forget who it is that we have the privilege and the pleasure of, of talking to. Don't forget that when you pray, you are talking with your creator, your sustainer, the one who loves your soul. There's nothing that he cannot do, and he loves you with an everlasting love. And we have a chance here together to, to take a giant leap forward in our prayer lives and to seek his face. 
Has God's arm lost its power? In Numbers 11, it says, Now the Lord sent a wind that brought quail from the sea and let them fall all around the camp. For miles in every direction, there were quail flying about three feet above the ground. So the people went out and caught quail all that day and throughout the night and all the next day too. No one gathered less than 50 bushels. I love that, right? It's like, what's the weather like today? Well, it looks like cloudy with a chance of quail, I think. That's what it's looking like. Uh, it's just, it's, they came from the sky. What's happening? All of a sudden, we're in the sea of quail, and there's so many that everyone has more than they could ever have desired. God shows up. He delivers his promise. And I just, I want to challenge you today that, that God is faithful. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His arm has not lost its power. And I think a lot of times we get sidetracked. We look at all the things that we don't have. We look at the things that others have that we wish we had. We fall into that trap of whining and complaining. And let's just be real. I'll be transparent. 2020, I'm so glad that's behind us. Seems like 2021 starting off much better uh, than 2020. Um, that was a joke. It's not really at all. Uh, uh, I look back at 2020, and it, it's difficult because everything was so tumultuous and so strange, and especially in the church world, like, oh, man, everything we did was a struggle. Every single Sunday, like, oh, man, we don't know what we're doing or how we're doing it. it who knows? And yet, in spite of the chaos, in spite of a lot of discouragement, just wondering, is this the right thing to do? How are we doing? I look back at the last year, and I realize... Here at Crossroads, you know, 57 people got baptized in 2020. We weren't even meeting most of the year. 57 people encountered Jesus. We were able to celebrate a changed life. God did that in 2020. Who knew God could still move and work? We look back and see all these amazing wins, all these things that came together behind the scenes, and you're going, you know what? As difficult as that was, as easy as it was to fall into the trap of complaining and whining and wishing everything was back to normal, God's still here. God's still moving. God's still working. He is fulfilling his promises for our life. And, and I have to challenge you today with that reality that God is here. And when we draw close to him, he draws close to us. And you guys, if we're serious about taking a journey together for the next 21 days, just leaning into our prayer lives, seeing what God could do, it is my belief with all my heart that we're going to start seeing God move and work in our church family and our personal lives, start fulfilling those promises, working miracles, bringing healing, bringing forgiveness, bringing hope. I think as we document that in our journals, we write down the way God is moving, we're going to recognize, we're going to start seeing that God is working, he is active, he is alive, and we're going to be able to look forward with amazing anticipation of what he is going to do because this is just the beginning. How big is our God. I want you to know today that you can put your trust in his promises for you. And part of this challenge over the next 21 days is to circle those promises for your life. When it comes to this journal, I want you to know that when you sign up to be part of this, you're going to get an email every day. There's going to be a message for you. There's just a short Bible verse, a promise of God in your life, a challenge, a, a guided way for you to pray throughout that day. And we're going to be writing down the way that God shows up, the way that God speaks, the way that God answers prayer. And I believe, again, with all my heart, that this is a journey that has a chance to revolutionize your relationship with God. So I want to encourage you. If you're here in this worship center, the 21-day challenge, it begins today. And if you're here right now, there's a card on your seat that you can fill out. If you turn that in at the table in the lobby on the way out, you get one of these journals. Again, they're free, but if you want to, I guess nobody was really excited about the free stuff. You can just pay $10. That's fine. I don't care. Um, 
but we want to give this to you just as a tool to dive into your prayer life, to draw close to God, because I believe that that's a promise that he answers. When we take these steps of faith toward him, he draws close to us. So let's dive into this. If you're joining us online today, go to crossroads.online slash 21 days. That's how you're going to be able to sign up for this prayer challenge. And that's how we're going to do this journey together. I think just as importantly, uh, we have the reality that we have some prayer and worship nights coming up over the next few weeks as well. That starts this Thursday. It's our first worship and prayer night. These are times to gather, to draw close to Jesus, to surrender, to lift up in prayer these requests that God has placed on people's hearts. Because here's the thing, the third step here is I'm inviting everyone who's here in the room, if you're watching online, again, you go to crossroads.online slash prayer. Give us your prayer requests. We're going to be putting them on the walls and at these worship and prayer nights, we're going to be circling this worship center, lifting up people's prayer requests to God. We're going all in here on our prayer lives. I believe that by doing so, God meets us where we're at. I believe we live fully in his promises, purpose, and the plan that he has for us. And I believe our greatest days are in front of us, especially when we're going all in on moments like this. So I invite you today, if you're in this room, come forward at the end of the service. Write your prayer request down. Go out in the hallway, stick it on the wall. Because we're going to be lifting that prayer request up to Jesus. We're going to be asking him to fulfill his promises in our lives, to work miracles, to help us live into the dreams that he has for us. And so I just want to challenge you today. Draw close to Jesus. If there's a relationship in your life that's broken, lift that up in prayer. If your marriage is struggling, relationship with your kids are not where you want it to be. You've got a friend that is desperate to connect with Jesus. Pray for God to work a miracle because he's the God of miracles and that's what he will do. If you're trying to figure out what it is that God wants you to do, begin praying for God's will to be revealed to you. Pray for wisdom. He will give that to you. If you're struggling with fears or anxiety, lay those at the feet of Jesus. He'll meet you where you're at. If you're dealing with the hurts and the habits and the hang-ups, seek his face, seek his forgiveness, and he will give it to you. As far as the east is from the west, he will separate that from you. You will experience his peace, his joy, his freedom that only he can give. There is no one like him. And so my challenge is, let's do this together. Let's draw close to Jesus. Let's get serious about our prayer lives. And let's look forward with great anticipation to what only he can do. Jesus, you are good. There is no one like you. We believe that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. And so, God, today we just surrender. We want your will to be our will. We want to put our trust in your promises for our lives. And so, Jesus, we just, we draw close to you. We seek your face. And we ask you to meet us here in a fresh new way as we begin this 21-day journey together and take this challenge to draw closer to you and go all in on our prayer lives. God, I am looking forward with great anticipation to how you are going to work, how you are going to move, how you are going to begin revealing yourself to us in fresh new ways. I believe that our best days are ahead of us, both personally and as a church family. And God, I'm looking forward to what you're going to do. And so we love you today. We give you praise because you're worthy. And we pray this in your name. And together we say Amen.